This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by the Peacock and Williamson Show. Hosted by NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson, you can get the national perspective all around the NFL covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move made. Check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and it is Friday, June 11th. The New York Giants offseason program, for all intents and purposes, is over. It's done. The minicamp concluded on Thursday, and on today's show, Ed Valentine, a big blue view, is going to be on the program with me. We are going to discuss our takeaways on the uh, mandatory minicamp and on the offseason program in general and kind of set the stage for you an early look at training camp. So that's coming up on the program. Before I get to Ed Valentine, though, just a quick announcement. Uh, starting next week, we're going to go to three days a week here on the Locked on Giants podcast since it is the summer. It's the downtime, so no need to do every day. And uh, we're going to do shows on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting next week till about two weeks or so it, before the start of training camp when we'll ramp everything up again and and move forward. And on Monday's show, I'm going to do a mailbag. So those of you who have sent me questions for the podcast, I've got them. They will be answered. If you want to send Send additional questions to me. If you haven't sent a question in, you can do so by sending them to Locked On Giants Podcast at gmail.com. Try to get them to me by, um, I would say, Sunday, no later than noon Eastern time. If you get them to me by then, I can incorporate them into the pod. And that will be on Monday's show. And um, we'll we'll make sure you get those answered. So, all right, folks, we are going to jump right in now with Ed Valentine, a big blue view. We're going to talk about the Giants offseason program, what we've learned, what we still need to learn and what expectations exist. And Ed, first off, thank you, as always, for joining me on the program. Oh, you're welcome, Patty. It was it was nice to see you and uh, some of the other uh, media members for a couple days this week uh, out at uh, out at the uh, Giants facility. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've all gotten together, but you know what? It was good to be outdoors, even though you know a couple the first day the the weather was just absolutely disgusting, uh, disgustingly hot, but still. We got some football or what's what looks like some football. And Ed, let's talk about what we saw, what we learned from the three-day minicamp and from the offseason in general. Um, first off, I've got to ask you about the structure and the intent of the mandatory minicamp. Now, coming in, Joe Judge said, look, you know, this is just going to be about getting guys on the field, getting them moving around. We're not going to really, you know, focus on on competitions and stuff like that. What were you able to take away from watching the workouts and you know that maybe lent itself to a hint as to what we could expect as far as any type of competitions or where guys are at? 
Well, Joe was absolutely 100% true to his word, Patty, and I've written it a couple times at Big Blue View. There was no real activity that could be construed as as competition at all. There were 7-on-7 periods. There were 11-on-11 periods. But but these were true non-contact practices. You had wide receivers running routes without being impeded by defensive backs and with no competition at the catch point. When the ball was thrown, you know, the defensive backs basically just played their technique and and shadowed the receiver and, and allowed catches to be made. There was even a period, I think, on Tuesday where the ball would be thrown up and the wide receiver would peel off and allow the defensive back to, to make an interception. So, um, you know, the same with the offensive line. There was no real pass rush. There was no real blocking work done. But you could see certain things, Patty. You could see... You know, one of one of the things that I noticed, and I talked to you about this, and I talked to other people about it, and we've talked to Mark Schofield and Tony Rassiopi about it, and, and it, it involves the use of Evan Ingram, and, and, and the, the stick routes and the Y-option routes for Evan Ingram drove me crazy because they don't use, they don't use his, his speed and his athleticism. And I thought one of the things we saw over those couple days was was Engram, you know, running more crossing routes, catching more passes on the move, and it's just a little thing that 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 I noted, which which maybe I made more out of it than than, uh, than I should have it, but but it was a, a small thing to notice. I thought the Giants did good work for two or three days. Really, I mean, I you could see the purpose of the work. You could see that. That it was it was all about technique. It was all about footwork. It was all about running and moving and and getting your body prepared to play football and 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 doing it as safely as they could. Um, but I, I I didn't think you could come away and say, well, player A, B, and C were standouts, and and this guy put himself in better position to to make the roster. You know, when you get to training camp, it just wasn't that kind of uh, wasn't that kind of a mini camp at all. No, it wasn't. And, and let's let's talk about the offense for a second because the Giants added, you know, a lot of new talent. Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Kyle Rudolph. But yet still Daniel Jones didn't have everybody on the field. And, you know, we talk about the expectations for Daniel Jones in year three and how everybody's expecting him to take a big leap forward. The fact that he didn't have all his guys to work with during the spring and, and, you know, a large part of that was due to injury, obviously, uh, guys who are rehabbing from from different things. How much of a factor do you think that's going to be in the type of start Daniel Jones has to year number three when, when things start getting going? Patty, I'm I'm not sure at this point that it has that big of an impact. He. He's worked a lot over the couple last couple of years with Saquon Barkley. Um, I'm not as concerned about John Ross. When it comes to Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony had some, I guess you want to call them false starts during the spring. But one thing about Kadarius Tony and, and, and Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones spends a good amount of his time 
down in in Mobile, Alabama, working out at uh, at QB Country, and and it just so happens that Kadarius Tony has also worked out at that facility. Happens to be from Mobile, so if those guys need time together, I think they'll they'll chisel out some time over the next four or five weeks to uh, to to make sure that that they work out and throw together a little bit. I, what I want to say is in terms of, of preparation, the one thing I was really impressed with over the, the mini camp was just the amount of time that Kenny Galladay spends with Daniel Jones. He goes out of his way to catch passes from Jones, to work alone with Daniel Jones, just to, to be the guy on the receiving end when, when Jones is doing soft toss kind of stuff. Uh, just to just to be around the guy, just to catch the ball, just to build a relationship with the guy, and and, and I think as I think that particular you know relationship is 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 the 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 beginning of that relationship might be as important as anything that we saw during the mini camp. Yeah, and that's of course Daniel Jones's ex receiver. He hasn't had a guy like that in quite some bit, some time. And the more they can throw the ball to each other, the better they're going to be. Folks, we have a lot more coming up with Ed Valentine, a big blue view. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Use our special promo code LOCKEDON to sign up for an account and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDON at BetOnline, your sportsbook expert. Experts. All right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked On Giants. My name is Patricia Trana, and I am joined by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And we are breaking down the Giants offseason program, in particular, the recently completed mandatory mini camp. And Ed, same with the offense, Ed, let's talk about Jason Garrett, because, you know, a lot of people, they say when it comes to the Giants offense, it's Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. Well, yeah. Daniel Jones does need to take that step forward, but let's not forget about Jason Garrett. You know, he, to be fair to Jason last year, I still say, and I will say this until somebody tells me otherwise, that when Jason lost Saquon Barkley to that uh, week two season ending injury, that took with him a large chunk of the playbook of what Jason wanted to do because now all of a sudden he had to get to know Wayne Gallman. He had to get to know other players and just figure out how to compensate for the loss of Saquon Barkley. And I think it just threw the entire offense into a bit of a tizzy, if you will. That said, you know, the expectation is all these guys are going to be back healthy at some point. Jason's going to have a whole menu item, a whole smorgasbord, if you will, of options to choose from. When you look at Jason's position, you know, how much pressure do you see being on him and how do you think he'll put this all together and will he be able to put it all together to create a juggernaut on offense? Well, Patty, I don't know that the Giants will be a a juggernaut. Let's, you know, let, let's, they're not going to turn into the Kansas City Chiefs overnight. They're just not. But if you know, they, they scored 17 points a game last year, and I think, 
I don't have the research right in front of me, but I think that that all but one of the NFL playoff teams averaged at least 25 points a game last year and and 25 24 and a half 25 points is is sort of the midpoint for where NFL teams are in terms of of you know average points per game and i think so what you're looking for from from the giants is get to that 25 point mark per game get a little bit above that then you're in a position you're putting yourself in a position where where you you should have opportunities to win nine or ten games, and I think if if so, if you can add eight, nine, ten points a game to that Giants offense, I think I think that's what you're looking for. I don't I don't think you're gonna you're gonna see this team turn into uh, turn into Kansas City overnight and 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 dominate the league offensively. But you know, back to Jason Garrett. I talked to Mark Schofield and Tony Rassiopi and, and and some other folks about about Garrett a lot during the offseason and 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 most folks agreed with me that I think the Giants were right to bring Jason Garrett back as offensive coordinator not to make Daniel Jones learn a, a new system again you know for the third time in his three year you know for the third time in, in three years in the NFL um, you know, that, that said, things do have to change. Jason has to be able to use Evan Ingram a little bit better. He has to be able to get the ball to, to, to Kenny Galladay. He has to be able to figure out, um, you know, how to use Kadarius Tony, make sure that the Giants get some impact out of their first round pick. You know, by and large, the Giants have to score more points than they did. So there's definitely pressure on Jason Garrett. Who knows how it's all going to fit together? There are things I would love to see from this offense a little bit more pre snap motion, the ball going down the field a little bit more often. You know, Evan Ingram catching balls on the move, you know, which is something I talked about a little bit earlier. But but I also the last point I'll make is I do agree with you that I think that that losing Saquon changed the Giants' offense significantly because I think you and I talked about this during the mini camp, Patty. We both remember Garrett, you know, four, five, six weeks into the season, talking about how he was at that point still just figuring out what his players could do, and that's that's not a good thing, and and. And that that had a lot to do with losing Saquon. It had a lot to do with not having an off season. So it, this year has to be better. And and you know if you talk about you know guys that are facing pressure in 2021, Garrett is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and look, Jason's a good guy, and and uh, he, he I believe he runs a you know a good offense. It's just fitting that offense to the talent, and I, I just kind of got the impression last year that he was going by what he's always known and what he's always done. And, you know, let's figure it out later. So he was kind of, figuring, of that, trying to figure it out as, as he went along. Uh, what I was going to say, part of that, I think ha- is probably had to do with not having a real off season, not being able to get guys on the field and really see what they could do. It's like you, you fall back on what you know, because he never really had, you know, in, in through the off season, you know, he never had a real training camp or preseason. 
to to really see, you know, how guys would fit into the things that that he likes to do, and and, and you don't want to make an excuse because you're an NFL coach, you've got to figure it out. Things change on the fly, but it's very very difficult to once the games start. It's very very difficult. To, to retool a playbook, to retool an offense, to to change the way that you do things when you're midstream. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, look, I agree as well about bringing um, Jason back and not having Daniel Jones in that offense start from scratch. I, I, I you know, I know a lot of people were, were hoping for that. And, you know, and also I was kind of surprised that the Giants let Jason Garrett interview for a head coaching job but uh it worked out i think in the end and but no question that that jason garrett this year it's a big year he has got to step up and he's got to get this offense back on track you know and and be able to adjust if god forbid there are injuries which he wasn't able to do and when it comes to the offensive line now we cannot tell obviously a lot where that unit is until the pads go on but that said, one of the things that kind of struck me is is how they set up the first unit versus the second unit. Now, normally teams, especially teams that are in playoffs or bust mode, like the Giants, I think, are, they normally have a mixture, youth and veterans. The Giants are, go look at least right now at any rate, the Giants are going all youth and their backup plan, their safety net, if you will, if you look at it, is all veterans. And I, I forget the average age. I, I did this for an article on Giants country, but I think the average age came some, to something like 24.1 for the starters and 20, I'm sorry, 29.8 for the backups. I found that kind of interesting. Do you see that as as being interesting that that the Giants are not folding in some of the the veterans into this offensive line, which is really one of the most critical units on the team? And tell you the truth, Patty, I love it. You know, I I I love the fact that that they're basically you know putting their marker down and saying, look. You know, we we developed Nick Gates. We believe in Nick Gates. We think he's going to be a quality center. You know, for for a while in this league, and, and he's he's our guy there. I love the fact that they drafted three guys a year ago that they think are good players. They drafted all three of those guys. I believe thinking that by 2021, all three of them would be in the starting lineup. And guess what? 2021 is here, and and as of now, all three of those guys are in the starting lineup. They, you know, and the fifth guy is is Will Hernandez, who is still a young player, and, and so I I love the fact that they've basically kind of pushed the chips to the middle of the table and said these are the guys that we believe in, and uh, and, and these are the guys we're going to go with. Now, if that blows up in their face. You know, th- then that's a problem. But you know, it's a. Uh, it, it. I love the fact that that they're that they're saying these are our guys, and, and this is what we're going to do. By the way, I saw that little nod you threw in there to the late Jim Fossil. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Giant fans, we've got a lot more coming up with Ed Valentine, a big blue view. But first, let me tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar has nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. Right now, that is a chocolate mint grasshopper. Really, really good. One of my favorites. Eating a delicious Bilt Bar is like eating a candy bar, minus the guilt, as most of their milk chocolate covered bars have about 17 grams of protein, about 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Indulging on a low-carb, low-sugar treat never tasted so good. And right now, when you order at BiltBar.com, you can save 15% when you use the promo code LOCK15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at BiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, you are listening to Locked on Giants. This is Patricia Trena, and I'm with Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And Ed, let's talk about the Giants' defense. Um Patrick Graham, a slim down Patrick Graham, by the way, looking really, you know, yes, yes, a slim <laughs> down Patrick Graham. Um, suddenly he has an embarrassment of riches at defensive back. It looks like he's got a bunch of pass rushers. I mean, if, if you're Patrick Graham and you have all this talent now, all of a sudden you've got to be giddy. I would think, how do you see this kind of playing out, especially in the defensive secondary? Let's start there where they just have, it just seems like they have more than what they, they really need. Well, you know, Patty, that was a question that came up over and over during mandatory mini camp is how are you going to use all of these pieces and, and, and how are you going to get everybody playing time? And, and to be honest, you know, right now, middle of June, Patrick Graham probably doesn't know exactly how he's going to do that because, you know, the other thing of it is, you know, you can only play a certain number of guys. So there are going to be guys who maybe play a little bit less than, you know, than, than we saw them play a year ago. Um, you know, Adoree Jackson's going to play all the time. James Bradbury's going to play all the time. Logan Ryan's going to play full time. I'm going to be interested to see how Patrick Graham utilizes Xavier McKinney and Jabril Peppers, uh, the guys that are going to play in the slot, you know, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson. But, but I look at that, you know, every coach would love to have, uh, to have that kind of a problem where you've got, where you've got more good players than, than you can get on the field. And, uh, you know, because that gives you depth, that gives you options, that gives you the ability to change your matchups week to week, to change your scheme a little bit, to, to use some different combinations, you know, based on the receivers that you're, you're going to face. You know, Patrick Graham is one of the, the most creative defensive coordinators in, in the league. And, I mean, we saw – you know, last year, what was it where he was, uh, where he was, you know, diagramming plays and, you know, and drawing them up and having guys walk through schemes in, in the hotel room on a Saturday night. You know, I mean, that's, I, I never heard of that before. So, I mean, I don't worry about Patrick Graham figuring out all of, all of the pieces. I, you know, I'm sure that he will put those guys in position to succeed, I'm I'm happy about when when I listen to these guys they seem to buy in they don't seem to care what the scheme is they don't you know nobody's saying well I'm a safety I'm an outside corner I'm a slot guy I do this they're all saying we'll play whatever scheme is available wherever need where, wherever we need to play um and, and I just I look at that giant secondary as an absolute strength and, and uh, yeah, I, it could still be a strength, even if they suffer an, you know, an injury. 
you know, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And hopefully they, w- again, they won't suffer any injuries because that would just not be a good thing at all. Ed, as we, a couple of uh, last questions, where is your biggest concern now that pretty, uh, there are, there are still two OTAs uh, left and then the, there's the rookie development program going on, but we won't have access to that. But that said, where is your still your biggest concern for this team ahead of training camp? Well, the the biggest concern, Patty, is still really a, a, as much as I said that I love what they did on the offensive line. I love the fact that they're that they're going with the guys that they drafted. They drafted them for a reason, and now they're going to put them out there. The biggest concern is still whether or not that offensive line develops the way that the Giants hope that it will and think that it will. Uh, the Giants have have massively changed the coaching structure around that offensive line with, with Rob Sale as the offensive line coach. But they also have a lot of guys looking over Sale's shoulder with Freddie Kitchens in a new position with with Patrick Flaherty having been hired as as well as a as a consultant, um, and I'm sure Joe Judge is is paying a, a whole lot of attention to that position group as well. So that that's the biggest the biggest concern for me is going to be watching that group develop. I think it will. Um, when I look at the roster, I can't look at that roster and say. Oh my God! There's there's an overwhelming need for this because I look at the roster and I see good players everywhere, and I see I I see depth everywhere. So I I don't look at it and say they've got to spend the next five weeks looking for a tight end or they've got to spend the next five weeks, you know, lo- looking for another defensive tackle. If if they happen to add somebody that 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 uh you know that they really want to bring in you know great but but i i don't see a a a need for uh for anything dramatic to be done and then finally ed what would be the one thing outside of an injury that you could see potentially derailing this team and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna take away offensive line because we've been talking about that um, I think we've got to take away Daniel Jones's lack of stepping forward. But what's the one unexpected thing you could see maybe potentially creeping up and derailing the steam? Oh, that's that's an interesting one, Patty. But the the one thing that that might really derail this team for me is, you know, we talk about we talk about this this Giants secondary. And we know how good it is. We know how deep it is. I think probably I, I might I might say the the front seven on defense because I, we think they're good. We you know, but but are they as good as as we think they are? You know, Leonard Williams had a career year a year ago. Uh, they they didn't bring back Dalvin Tomlinson. They still have a lot of unproven guys at the edge. They're depending on a couple of injured guys to come back. So how good is that? How good is that front seven? And, and the other thing that won't necessarily derail the Giants, but but what I want to remind people is you look at the NFC East, and the NFC East was was laughingly awful a year ago. 
but the Dallas Cowboys are better than they were a year ago. Dak Prescott will be back. They, they have a new defensive coordinator. They added some defensive pieces. The Washington football team will be better than it was a year ago. So the NFC East is not as weak as it was a year ago. So you could be a better football team and not necessarily take a leap from six wins to 11 wins. I think, I think the, the road through the NFC East is a lot harder than it was a year ago. You know, I'm going to slightly disagree with you about Dallas being better, and I'll tell you why. Yes, they're getting Dak Prescott back, but have they done enough to fix that historically bad defense from, from a year ago? Remember, they've got a new defensive coordinator. I know they threw a lot of resources at that defense, but still the first year. And, you know, is it going to come together? And if so, you know, how effective is it going to be? So. My jury's still out a little bit on Dallas. I think Philadelphia is still a mess. I think Washington and the Giants right now are the two teams to keep an eye on in the NFC East. And, you know, Dallas, I'm not discounting them, but again, let me see what that defense looks like because that was a big problem for them last year. All right, Giant fans, that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. I want to thank good friend Ed Valentine for tuning in and talking with me, and always a pleasure to have him on the show. And uh, don't forget, Giant fans, starting next week, we are going to do three shows a week. We're going into our summer schedule right up until about maybe a week or two before training camp opens on July 27. And, Ed, hopefully we can have you back on the show before that to do sort of a preview, if you will. Anytime, Patty. Have a good summer. And uh, if I don't talk to you before then, which I'm sure I will anyway, but uh, hopefully we'll see you in training camp. Absolutely. All right, Giant fans, don't forget on Monday we are going to do our mailbag as we kick off our summer schedule, three shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you have a question for the mailbag, send it to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Try to get it to me by noon Sunday so that I can include it in the podcast when I sit down to record it Sunday afternoon. Until then, folks, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.